Let us pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may, by your life-giving Spirit, be delivered from sin and raised from death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Psalms. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live. And we count the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The word of the Lord. A reading from the book of Romans. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For the spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you 
that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We do praise you, risen Lord. We give thanks to you. And we are so thankful for your presence here with us. And we pray all this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to suggest uh, we have a raffle and try to guess how many times Andine has said, please stand over the last four days. So <laughs> hundreds, hundreds of times. So, but she says it very well each time. So <laughs> that's right. And, and everyone who listens to her. Oh, that's, that's authority. So I want you to think about a uh, time in your life uh, where you felt abandoned or maybe really experienced um, abandonment. Maybe that was a time as a child, maybe you were in a crowded place and suddenly couldn't find your parents and you had that panic feeling of like, I've been left alone here. Or maybe you were even at home, a common sort of occurrence for kids and you look around the house, your mom's in the laundry room or something, you can't find her and you, you freak out thinking, I've been left alone. Or maybe it's, you know, a very real abandonment um, that you experienced. Maybe a, a good friend um, or a family member or a spouse um, who truly did um, break a commitment to you um, that they owed to you. Maybe you felt abandoned from someone who you know wasn't meaning to abandon you, and yet you experienced that all the same. I know sometimes you know spouses who have um, uh, spouses who work a lot or have to travel a lot, even though they understand that that's part of their job and their, their requirements of their job, they can still feel abandoned by them. Right? And often when someone we love dies. We feel a deep sense of abandonment, even though, of course, we know they didn't want to die, but yet we we can almost feel um, uh, um, uh, hurt by them and by their abandonment of us. Maybe, you know, during this COVID season that we've been in over the last two years, as people had to stay separate from each other in different seasons, maybe you felt an abandonment during that season, even though you knew that you weren't seeing people because of, you know, safety and for the limit of the spread of covid Perhaps you still felt in that isolation and that loneliness like you had been abandoned. I know many people felt abandoned by their churches. Right, two years ago on Easter, right, the sanctuary was empty for, for the first Easter since we began Church of the Cross because we all had to stay home and watch services on screens. And even last Easter, right, we had to limit. We actually had to sign people up for Easter Sunday, right, which killed us. Right? We had to limit how many people could be in this space. The reason I'm starting with such a negative thing on Easter morning, maybe you're thinking, man, alive, I thought there'd be some joy here, right? I I do want to celebrate the joy of this day, but I actually want us to enter in as we look at this passage from the Gospel of Luke and enter in and try to imagine what it felt like for those disciples on that time between the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection. What was going on for them? I think it's safe to say that they must have felt a deep sense of abandonment, right, to see the Lord Jesus die on the cross, what would they have felt like that Friday night? Would they have said, Jesus, how can you do this to us? Would they have cried out to Jesus even though he wasn't there with them and said, how can you die, right? I mean, how is this possible that this happened? 
Right? They must have felt a deep sense of abandonment, not just in missing Jesus. Of course, they must have deeply missed him. But they must have felt abandoned by their hopes, right? by the, the vision for life that they had received from Jesus. Right? They had believed that he was the Messiah, that he had come to save them, that he had come to save their people. Right? They had given up jobs to become followers of Jesus. Right? They had uh, risked persecution. Right, gone around seeing, you know, Jesus confronting religious leaders and knowing that they were standing right by his side, that they were going to be the crosshairs of different authorities. And now Jesus was gone. They must have felt the hopes, the, the vision, the, the mission that we have been given. It's all dashed. Right? He had died and they must have felt like his de- death was a de- defeat. And they must have felt like to die shamefully on a cross, right, that it was all for lost. So as we think about right, that deep sense of abandonment, then we can celebrate how Jesus meets them there, how he comes into their abandonment and their isolation and their loneliness and says, peace, I am here. And as we celebrate that, we celebrate on this morning, right, wherever you are, in the ways that you're feeling abandoned, in the ways that you perhaps feel um, isolated from others. And in the places where you feel joy, in your areas of growth and strength, in your areas of weakness, that Jesus meets you there. That just as he came to the disciples on that first Easter morning, he is with us today, bringing gifts to us that meet us in the places, again, of our abandonment and our loneliness, meets us in our anxieties. And so we want to affirm on this Easter morning that Jesus is with us right now. Through his spirit, he is here. And he has gifts for you. And he has gifts for you whether you're a regular attender here at Church of the Cross, whether you're a regular church attender, whether you haven't been in church for years. Jesus has things for you today that he wants to give you. I want to look at what is he giving the disciples here in this Easter morning when he appeared to them. And how is it that he's bringing those same gifts to us? What does it mean to receive those gifts from him? So if you look at our our Luke reading there on page 7 of your bulletin, it begins as they were talking about these things. And so we can stop right there and say, okay, who's the they and what are they talking about, right? What, what, what's going on there? Well, the they is the disciples of Jesus, right? And so the 12 disciples, or it's 11 at this point because Judas has betrayed Jesus. He's no longer with them. Right? But it's the 11 disciples, but it's more than that, right? We, we know, right, from previous passages in Luke, right, that it's a bigger group than that. So it's people who have followed Jesus, who have placed their faith in him, right? Probably men and women gathered together. And what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about the fact that some of them claim to have seen Jesus, right? There was a group of women that went to Jesus' tomb on that Sunday morning to honor him and to remember him, and they found the tomb empty, right? And an angel actually said to them, of course the tomb's empty. He has risen. And they told the other disciples this, right? When the other disciples um, heard it, they didn't believe it, right? They, They couldn't believe that. How could that be? How could the tomb be empty? How could he have risen? But then we are told that Peter had an encounter with Jesus, with the risen Jesus. And then we know that there were two other disciples, one of them named Cleopas, and they were on a long walk, right, out of Jerusalem. And this man came along and walked alongside them and began to have a conversation with them. And they felt this great love and this attraction, right, to to this man walking alongside of them. And then it's revealed that it's Jesus that's with them. And they run back to the other disciples and come into this room and say, right, we saw Jesus and so this is what they're talking about, right? And we can imagine, you know, the, the conversation being like, are you sure it was Jesus? 
and like maybe you fell asleep, right? You know, and, 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 and had a dream about Jesus, you know? And they're like, no, no, we were walking on a road. We couldn't have fallen asleep, right? You can imagine the discussion. Maybe it was a vision of Jesus. Maybe you're just so longing that he's alive. You know, Peter, maybe you're feeling bad about the denial thing and you're pretending that Jesus is there, right? So we can imagine the conversation and then suddenly Jesus is there in their midst. Right? I mean, I imagine him sort of clearing his throat like, hmm, like I'm here. Peace be with you. And I'm alive, right? You can talk about me, but you can actually talk to me. I am here with you. Peace to you. And they're startled. They're frightened, right? They, they think they're seeing a spirit, right? They don't believe that Jesus is truly risen from the dead. Sometimes I think we look back at that time and we say, well, you know, they were kind of superstitious people, right? They didn't know science like we know science. No, they understood that if someone dies, they stay dead, right? They were much more surrounded by death than we are. Right? They understood that. And so when they see someone who had died alive and with them, they don't know what to do. They're overwhelmed. They're afraid. They're startled. It's the kind of response that we would expect. And so Jesus says to them, don't be troubled. Right? Don't doubt. Here are my hands. Here are my feet. Right? You can touch me. I'm not a spirit. I am here with you. I just so love verse 41. And while they still disbelieve for joy. Right? Have you ever experienced that? Right? It's so the news is so good, it is so joyful that you can't even believe it. You just believe for joy. And so Jesus says to them, have you anything here to eat? I love that on the resurrection day of Jesus, right, that he asks a question that I hear in my house all the time, right? <laughs> is there anything here to eat, right? If my wife had been there, she would have said, look in the fridge, right? No, she wouldn't have. She would have, said, she would have honored Jesus. But, uh, but she does say that to me a lot. Is there anything to eat? Find it yourself. Right? So they um, have a piece of broiled fish. Right? There, many of them are fishermen. We know that. It's no surprise that they would have some fish there. And he took it and ate it before them. What an interesting moment. Right? Here's Jesus, the risen Savior, eating a piece of fish, and they're watching him. Right? What's he doing there? He's showing them, look, this is real. This is really happening. Look, I'm eating this fish. Okay? You know, I'm not a spirit. I'm here in the flesh. And I imagine them at that moment as they saw Jesus eating the fish that they remembered all the times They'd eaten meals with Jesus before. I thought they just saw him and said, yeah, that's the way Jesus eats fish, right? We've, we've seen that. And we've had so many meals with him. We've gone fishing with him many times. It's really him. There's just the normalcy of it. There's the familiarity of it. He's with us again. He's back. He is here. And so what gift does Jesus bring them? Well, first and foremost, he brings them himself, right? His presence. He is with them. Again, that's a gift that Jesus brings to us this morning, right? He is with us. He is present. But he is not just present, but he is present to save. He is present in power, right? Because Jesus' again, death, they had felt like they had died. Their dreams had died. Their hopes had died. Their vision for life had died. And in his resurrection, right, all those things are resurrected. His victory is their victory. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how we love underdogs. We love underdog um, stories, right? I mean, um, uh, I'm from Indiana. I should be a big basketball fan, and, and I'm not really. Uh, but my mom always calls me around March Madness and talks to me about these teams that are like the underdog teams, you know, who make it to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. She's like, I just love this team so much. No one expected them to go this far, right? We love it, right? When those who aren't expected to win start winning. We love it in movies, right? We love it in books and stories, right? We love, you know, Frodo and Spider-Man, right? And Luna Lovegood, right? These people who shouldn't be heroes who become heroes. And I think we love them because we see ourselves in them. 
We see all the ways that we're insecure, all the ways that we think, I can never do this, right? No one expects anything of me. And when we see the underdog pull ahead, we say, right, that, that gives me hope. Their victory is my victory. And in Jesus, this is completely and totally true, right? That his victory, his resurrection is our resurrection. His defeat of death actually is our defeat of death. Right? He went to the cross and he rose again for us, for his people, for those who seek him as a savior. It's our victory. We see that so powerfully in that Romans reading, which was just read for, read for us. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. If we have looked to Jesus and put our faith in him and sought out right, his, his blood, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, right, then that means that we have a resurrection to come. His resurrection is a foretaste of what awaits us. Then the new heavens and the new earth and new creation, we too will have resurrected bodies. And so his presence with them, again, is a saving presence. Is a presence that says, right, not only are you not abandoned, but it's even better than you thought. Yeah, I am the Savior. I, I am the Savior of the world. I'm the one who saved you from sin and death and has brought you life, eternal life, abundant life, as Pete talked about last night if you were with us. Right? The, the good news is even greater right, than the, the despair that they had felt and the abandonment that they had felt. Now, that in itself is enough of a gift, right? The gift of Jesus, the gift of his saving power, the gift of a promise of a future resurrection of life that goes on for all eternity. But it's not the only gift that he gives them. He then says to them, verse 44, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. What's going on there? I was thinking about um, this. I was thinking about, uh, imagine a scenario where um, you have a good friend and let's say you take an American history class uh, together and you study American history, you study early American history, the Revolutionary um, War and um, uh, the formation of the government and the, the Constitution. Okay, you study all that. And then let's say a few months later after that class is over, you go see the musical Hamilton, right? As you're walking out of the musical, your friend says to you, I can't believe it. Aaron Burr shot Alexander Hamilton, you know, in a duel. I can't believe it. You'd say, well, you already knew that, right? We already learned that story. Why would that surprise you? It's, it's already there. And that's really what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, you really should have known this, right? You actually shouldn't be surprised that I've defeated death. It's all there. It's there in the scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, that doesn't mean that there was a verse, right, that they had forgotten, you know, in the scriptures that said, you know, a man named Jesus will, you know, be crucified by the Romans and rise again. Right? But basically he's saying, he's opening their eyes to see, this is the very heart of the scriptures, which you have grown up with and you have known. Right? See, again and again throughout the scriptures, as we see so beautifully captured right in these mobiles, right? God saves his people. God does not give up on his people. He redeems his people. And we see, right, a vision for sacrifice. It's actually through sacrifice that life comes. Through forgiveness comes. We see this vision, this promise of a Savior. Yet at the same time, we see all these verses speaking of a Savior who suffers and who dies and yet is still a Savior. Right? It's all there. We see that life swallows up death. That God loves life. He is a God of life. And there is life in Him. And so Jesus is basically saying, right, you confess your faith in me as the Son of God. How could death ever hold on to me? How could death ever defeat me? Right? I have defeated death. 
Again, it's just better than you even imagined, right? You believed I'm the Savior. Now you understand just how much of a Savior I am. He's giving them a gift. He's giving them a Bible lesson, a gift to them and a gift to us, right? They knew the Scriptures, but he's helping them understand this is the fullness of the Scriptures. They are fulfilled in me. And again, we can trust Jesus, right? When someone rises from the dead, right, we can trust that they know what they're talking about. And so the gift they've given to us is the Lord is saying to us, listen to these words. Learn, right? This points to me. I am the fulfillment of the scriptures. Do you want to live out your eternal life that you've been given? Do you want to live in the joy that I give to you? Live in the scriptures. Live in these words. That is the gift that we're given. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying, so if you put your faith in Jesus, then the Bible is just, you know, totally easy to understand, and you just open up the Bible, and, and it's, you know, always makes sense to you. No, I'm not saying that, right? Actually, um, when you think about it, and you think about, you know, what are the things in life that have most helped you to grow? Or think about who are the people in your life that have most challenged you and helped you to grow? Right? Probably as you think about, it, okay, what things, when, when were there seasons of my life where I really grew? It was probably in seasons where you were being stretched in some way. Maybe at the time, right, you didn't see it, but you look back now and you realize, oh, man, I really grew during that time. That was a really important time in my life, but it was hard. I was challenged. I was stretched, right? It's probably true of people, right, that, that have most impacted you, right, whether it's a parent, right, or a teacher, or a coach. Right? You realize, oh, they stretched me, right? They challenged me. So we, should we expect anything different from the Word of God? If this is God's Word, should we be surprised if at times we're stretched by it, we're challenged Right? We think, man, I don't want to do with that. I need to spend some time with that. Yes, right? Jesus is saying, spend time in the scriptures. Learn from them and grow from them. Yes, they will stretch you. They will challenge you. If this is the word of God, should we be surprised that sometimes we come to the word of God and it disagrees with us? And that shouldn't surprise us. It should actually make us nervous if the scriptures always agree with us because we know we're often wrong. Right? Often we are. I just read a book with a great title, What If We're Wrong? Um, and that's what the book was about, <laughs> What If We're Wrong? And the author basically looks back at history and he kind of questions, if we look back at history and so often can point out all the ways that they're wrong, why do we think then that in this present moment we're right always? So he kind of tries to imagine what will it look like for people in the future as they look back on us. I don't, the author doesn't really use this language. It's basically, it's a call to humility to say, let's be aware that maybe we're wrong. As we come to the scriptures, in many ways, we have a call to humility. I realize there's an irony in that because sometimes people feel like, oh, if you believe the Bible is the truth, then that leads to a lack of humility, right? That leads to you pointing your finger at people and pointing out how they're wrong. Yes, we believe that the Bible reveals the truth to us, and we love the truth. But again, we come to it knowing, I need help. I need to grow. I need to become more like Jesus. And Jesus basically says, learn about me. Grow in me. Right? Let your hope grow. Um, as you spend time in the Word. So he gives us the gift of the Scriptures, the gift of learning and growing in Him, the gift of, of, of being challenged and stretched by the Scriptures. But maybe you say, okay, yes, uh, but the Scriptures are telling me about Jesus, right? <laughs> Affirming the Scriptures. And that's right. right? That, this moment, right, in the, in the resurrection day, he's talking about what we now call the Old Testament, right? The, the Scriptures that were known to them at that time. But notice then what he says next. He says, and I make you all witnesses, your witnesses. He's saying, now, you know, you've heard the witnesses, right, from the a history of God's people. 
But now you're witnesses to God's work, right? And that's another gift we receive, is we receive these witnesses, those who were there on that day. And it wasn't just this group that witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, right? There were many. There were hundreds, actually, who Jesus appeared to, who saw and encountered the resurrection, resurrected Christ. And he says to them, final verse there, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. He's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Fifty days after this, on the day of Pentecost, right? These believers are gathered uh, together, worshiping and praying uh, to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on them and empowers them to witness, to bear witness. On that day, right? And in their lives, they begin to go out to tell other people about Jesus, about his resurrection, right? And communities of witness are formed out of that. Right? And some of those communities right, have, have folks who um, are Jewish and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Messiah, those who have known the scriptures and see that Jesus is the fulfillment of them. Right? And others, right, they're brand new to this. Right? They didn't believe in the God of Israel. But they encounter Christ and they realize, oh, we're counted in. We're invited to be part of God's people. We can be saved through the blood of Jesus. And these communities grow. These witnessing communities spread. Right? And now we get to be part of a witnessing community. It's come all the way up to us, a community where we get to bear witness and we get to have witness born to us, right? Well, this is our inheritance. This is our gift from the Lord that we too can say, hallelujah, right? The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. We can witness to that reality that we have read about and we've heard from the first witnesses and that we have experienced in our spirits, that we have encountered in the word of God. And to be part of a community of witness, again, is to receive a great gift. I had a couple conversations just in this last week with a few um, different people that were telling me about just the way community has impacted their lives. And they were sharing, right, and kind of what I just said, like, man, it's been challenging. I've entered into these communities where I've had to be more vulnerable, where I've really chosen to be very open about my story and hear other stories, to, where I've chosen to witness to God's work in me, even when that work is hard even when I'm struggling with doubts, right, that I can honestly witness and I can hear the witnesses of others. And they've talked about the life change that it's brought. And again, the, the, the good ways that they are growing. But they weren't sharing that like, you know, God wasn't enough, so now I have this community as well. They were sharing it as, oh, the Lord is opening my eyes to see that this is a gift from him. It's one of the way he works. He works through witnesses. And we see it on that resurrection day. I have made you witnesses. I'm empowering you. And we need that from one another. I'm just struck on that first Easter, right, that, that Jesus interacted one-on-one with some people, right, with Peter, with Mary Magdalene. We have that beautiful account in the Gospel of John. He interacted with a couple people walking down the road, and he interacted with big groups of people. Right? Jesus is here with us in our community, right? But he also cares about you one-on-one and wants you to know all these gifts wants you to know the joy of community and the joy of bearing witness and receiving witness. So that's my encouragement and my hope, my invitation to you on this Easter morning that you would receive these gifts that Jesus gives. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we are so full of thanksgiving and gratitude. Your generosity is beyond us. You shed your very blood for us that in you we have new life. We have the promise of resurrection life, we have hope. But Lord, that you've also given us your word, you've given us community. And Lord, we pray, again, that you would give us open hearts to receive all that you're wanting to pour out. 
Pour out your spirit upon us in this Easter day, we ask. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.